You know how you win the battle? Listen now. You and I have the opportunity to walk in victory, to claim the victory, to experience the victory that is already ours. Because I know I have something to offer. Go where you have never gone before. You Keep moving through the pain. Keep moving forward. Do what you've never done before so you can be the woman you know yourself to be. I live my life playing to win. I'm after something. So much in you. We have the Hey Purpose Chasers, welcome to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. And as you know, this summer we are going to be doing the Faithpreneur Diaries. This is going to be my summer series and I'm so excited about it. So we started last week with the episode with Dominique Danielle and we are continuing all July and all August. I am interviewing amazing faithpreneurs and they are going to help you get it all the way together so you can show up in your life, in your family, at work, in your business, in your health. Listen, you are going to show up in all areas of your life thanks to these amazing ladies. So today I have with me Margaret and this interview, you guys, You guys, this interview, you need to get a pen and paper. I'm telling you, Margaret's about to get your finances all the way together. I know I'm going to listen to this episode more than once. And I was there live for the for the interview. But she has such gems. It's such an amazing episode. So I can't wait for you to hear the interview. So let me get started with who Margaret is. Margaret is a public health scientist and personal wealth coach that teaches black women how to master their money basics in order to make room for wealth. In her studies in biomedical sciences, she knows that poverty is a major indicator of health. She started coaching black women to improve their finances because she believes that reducing the racial wealth gap will contribute to reducing health disparities. She is passionate about helping as many black women as she can apply simple strategies to increase their savings, significantly reduce their debt, and overall manage their money better. So... Again, like I said, grab your pen and paper. I have used some of the tips that Margaret has suggested already. And I see a, a, listen, I see a drastic change in my finances and I am proud of myself. Grab your pen and paper and let's welcome Margaret Remy to the show. Margaret, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Excited to be here. We are excited to have you. Now, Margaret, one of my famous first questions um, to ask is, we've heard your amazing bio, but I want to know something about you, a fun fact about you that is not in your bio. Um, Okay, so this is something that I've always like used as my like two truths and a lie, Um, you know, when you play that in school or whatever, but I really don't like bacon. I don't like bacon. I'm sorry. Like when it flavors things, that's fine. But I just don't like the way it tastes like by itself. Like the idea of just like taking a strip of bacon and eating it. I can't. But I like pork chops, which is weird, but whatever. I just don't like bacon. And people think I'm weird. It is what it is. That's fine. I don't think you're weird. I think what's funny about that is that I actually love bacon, but Mm-hmm. I have, I was vegan for two years and now I'm pescatarian. So I don't eat mm-hmm. bacon. So okay. I just, 
inhale it. I remember somebody at work this morning had like a full on breakfast and you could smell all the sausage and bacon. I was like, that smells good. Don't eat that anymore. But that smells good. Sure. You know, what's funny, like traditional continental breakfast, I can't stand them. Because I'm just like, because all I can smell is the bacon and the I egg. Know. I don't really like other people's eggs like that. Yeah. Like, don't get me started on food, child, because <laughs> I will be here all day. <laughs> right. So that is definitely an interesting fact that we have never heard here on the podcast. So thank you for sharing okay. that with us. You're welcome. Margaret, we heard that you are a public health scientist and a personal wealth coach. Mm -hmm. Now, I know when people heard your bio and heard public scientist Mm -hmm. and personal health coach, how does that go together? So I want you to tell me about how you first got into public health and then branched off into your coaching. Yeah, that's a great idea. And I still do both. Um, You know, I I see one as like day and one as like, I guess, weekend, night or whatever. Um, But you know, the public health scientist, you know, I'm, I'm a scientist by training. I um, went to school, my undergrad training was science, and my PhD training was um, biomedical, biomedical sciences. So I studied, you know, differences in healthcare outcomes between different racial groups, um, African American and European American. So, you know, like looking at behavioral health disparities is what we call them, or just a fancy way of saying differences in results or differences in how um, they're diagnosed. Um, So, you know, through that, I learned that, you know, wealth or poverty plays a huge role in people's health, you know, their ability to access health. Um, uh, A report from the Surgeon General came out years ago talking about a major contributor to healthcare or poor healthcare is education and money. Okay, and those things go hand in hand a lot of the time. You know, we have success stories of people who don't start off um, that well off, but, you know, are able to get educated. But the general story is, you know, your zip code determines your um, your genetic your zip code determines your genetic code, which means which is a fancy way of saying that, you know, depending on where you live, those environmental factors really impacts your health and your overall health um, profile. So, you know, looking in that, it made me, and, and then, you know, knowing my friends and people that I hung around, I would notice that minorities were the ones that really didn't always know the um, money things that I knew. Um, and I was lucky enough to have parents that you kind of kept that interest in money for me, always would tell me little money things. Like I knew that it was better to have a fixed rate than a variable rate at like 15 or like, or maybe middle school. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know why my dad told me that he was just, I guess he was just going through it and looking at houses and stuff and was telling me that. And that stuck to me. So those, those beginning money habits were always in my mind. And I feel like, and I wanted my counterparts to have that um, or my colleagues to have that and people, my friends. So I started thinking, okay, this, and started looking and studying more the wealth gap because I was studying the health gap in school, but the wealth gap plays a role in the health gap. And I was like, this is, huge. I feel like I can address this. And I'm obsessed with numbers and money and, and making sure that things are right. And I'm always going to tell you the latest coupon, you know? So I was like, I want to really talk to people about building wealth and making room for wealth before building it. Um, and we'll, we can get into that later, but making room for wealth is my, is my thing. I feel like my parents set me up beautifully to make a room for wealth because they filled me with the knowledge or at least the intrigue to, be, to want to be very educated 
before I start, before mon- more money starts coming in. So I want to teach other people that too. I love that. <laughs> I love that. There's so much in what you, you said and I, when yeah. you ended saying making room for wealth, my mind was like, what is that? Tell me mm-hmm. more about making room for wealth. But yeah. you started yeah. off um, on your journey and you yeah. noticed that there was a gap Mm-hmm. And you set out to fix that gap. So that's really, really amazing. What would you say is one of the biggest, I guess, issues while why we don't tend to want to learn about finances even when we're older? So yes, we're under our kind of our parents' guide as 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 young people and young adults and teenagers. But once we get to a certain age where we feel like we are now adults Mm -hmm. what why do you think we don't actually go and look and learn about finances that's a great question i think it comes from you know how you were brought up and what you learned a lot of things can be tied tied back to childhood you know anyone that does therapy they always people always come back to your childhood even outside of therapy you know things you learn as, as as a certain age you know you live with someone and you see that they don't you know, put clothes in the hamper or something. And you're like, well, I was taught back when I was a kid to put your clothes immediately in the washer, not the hamper. You know what I mean? Like we all are brought up differently and that affects how we move through life. And money is, man, it's a complicated thing um, in this world, in this capitalist world that we live in. Um, And then, you know, on top of that, it's emotional. So we, we watch our parents or whoever brought us up dealing with that in their own way. And we adopt some of those ways because <laughs> we see, we were like, okay, well, uh, my mom did it this way and it seemed to work out for her. But, you know, you may not see the internal struggle that maybe she had or maybe the emotion behind the purchases. Um, so, and were there teachings um, growing up? the teachings that I had growing up made me, more, made me more curious. And that's part of my personality. I'm just nosy. So I want to know everything. But, um, you know, depending on how, what the teachings were like, you know, I would, my first job, my first paycheck out of high school, um, my, you know, we sat down, we're spiritual people. We sat down and they prayed over my first paycheck and we, you know, talked about, you know, this will be 10 times more. And, you know, they talked about, listen, don't spend if you don't need to spend, you have, you don't have to pay rent. You know what I mean? Like te- yeah. those teachings that um that I, in in the moment as as teenagers you roll your eyes at, but then you look back and you're like, oh, okay, that's what they were trying to teach me. But folks that are not you know doing that research for themselves and understanding, they they either haven't kind of hit that rock bottom of um, their financial journey yet, where they're like, I need to get my financial act of my life together, or they're just winging it because that's what they saw at home, you know. But yeah, I don't think there's a need to wing it. There's so many financial literacy coaches out there. And depending on what your goals are, what your financial wealth plan is, is what I call it. Pick one and, and, and get someone to coach you. Everybody, you can't get through a life without a, a guy and a coach. So, yeah. That is, that is true. And you said, you know, the emotions behind the purchase. And that just jumped hmm. out to me. Mm-hmm. And I say this because I, you see people, and I guess just in life, and you see how they approach purchasing things or traveling and yeah. what is important to them financially. Yeah. And one of the things that I noticed is that we tend as people of color, a lot mm-hmm. of us tend to have this attitude that, mm-hmm. especially when we, we didn't have much growing up, 
We yeah. say to ourselves, you know, when I get older or when I have kids, I'm going to give them whatever they want. So mm-hmm. what happens that, that I can see is that we start spoiling ourselves mm-hmm. or spoiling our children in a way that's not beneficial to them or in a way um, that we, in our mindset, thinks that we have to buy, we have to use the money while we have the money because we don't know when we might have more money. Yes, yes. And that's what I call a scarcity mindset. Okay, talk to us about the scarcity mindset. Yeah, so that, that scarcity mindset is rooted in the belief that, okay, I have this and it won't come again. But that's part of the mindset part. I'm always preaching about the biggest thing in making room for wealth is changing your mindset. Because you can say at $40,000 a year, I just need to make more. Child, if I made $75,000 a year, I'd be good. No, you wouldn't. Because you, the habits that you have now, you just be make do you uh, repeating those bad habits at a larger scale. All it would be is more debt. So no, you don't want more money. You want uh, uh, um, to change your mindset from that scarcity mindset of I'm not going to get more, so I got to hold on to it, or I just got to enjoy it while it's here, right? I got to treat myself. This is self care. You know all those buzzwords that people don't really take get to the root of what they mean. Um, and they're not really thinking about their future selves. If you, if you change your mindset around making room for wealth, you are making your future self happy. You're making your future, you're being responsible towards your future self. You're, that's what you're building. And you're, make, you're creating legacies. The reason that um, my Instagram name is the product of wealth is not just, oh, I want everybody to part of, be products or make products of wealth through their children. No, I want you to be a product of wealth mm-hmm. as you are now. And to be a product of wealth is to change your mindset and make room for wealth. And that way, you know, you leave legacies in the sense of leave something that means something after you're gone. It doesn't have to be necessarily in the form of children. So that scarcity mindset is something that needs to really be shrunken down. We're not perfect. We're going to have our trauma, right? But, you know, that scarcity mindset needs to be replaced with money is circular. Money is cyclical. Once I get it and, you know, spend it or invest it, it'll come back again, you know? What am I, what's the purpose of the money that I have with me? Um, so yeah, that is, that's why I call what I do therapy style wealth coaching because, because of that emotional aspect of money, you know, kind of doing storytelling and thinking about different um, scenarios where, you know, you can make, you, you choose, you make one choice or the other and you see the results that it has. And then you, you show the person like, this is, you know, choices matter with your money and, you know, you could go either way, but if you go down this road, you won't have anything left. Or you go down this road, you have more room to grow the money rather than have nothing. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Um, the next question I have, you, I mean, you told us about scarcity mindset, which some mm-hmm. of the factors that you talked about, I, I know that I can relate to, and I know some of my friends can relate to, but what I, what are some of the other negative money mindsets that mm-hmm. you see that are prevalent in the women that you speak with? Yeah. Um, they're, they're not willing to work with what they have. They're always like, okay, I just need more or like, I have so little, I don't know. No, you manage your money now. Learn the strategies now so that when you get more, you're, you're just applying those strategies at a larger scale. And guess what? It'll bring more, you know? Um, they're not willing to balance the elimination of debt with saving money. I, I, think, I, think, I think Black people are obsessed with getting rid of debt. And, that, and that's fair. But eliminating debt does not build wealth. 
I need you to say that again. <laughs> just a little louder. Just a little louder. <laughs> that does not build wealth. It just doesn't. That's just not how it works. Let me give you an example that I got, that I heard um, when I was listening to a podcast, The Budget Nista was on. Are you familiar with her? Yes. I love her. So she was like, you know, there was a study done and Black people, when they, you know, were they did some study and they were looking at, you know, how people kind of looked at building wealth and things like that. And, you know, the African-Americans were obsessed with eliminating debt. And she was like, let me give you a scenario here. I think it was a scenario of uh, real life of hers. She had the choice between, you know, she got a lump sum of money um, and she had the choice between paying down her debt or putting that towards her business and building. And she chose building. And guess what? Down the road, she had more money and she was not only able to pay off fully that debt, but use, have more money to grow and invest and keep going. So that's part of that scarcity mindset too, is because she was willing to, remove the fact that she wouldn't ever see this money again and you put pour, pour that money in educating herself and building herself up so that um in the future she would you she would have more money is circular it's cyclical it'll always come back around so you don't have to feel like oh i shouldn't i really don't think three thousand dollars is worth it for that coach or three thousand dollars is worth it for that if you see the other people getting the results mm-hmm. and you know it applies to you and it works for you do it Pray on it and do it because it's going to come back tenfold. I've, if it, I've invested in coaches and I can, I always will. You know what I mean? Every coach should have a coach, right? Um, yeah. I don't have coaches that don't have coaches. <laughs> so it's like, you know, no one's perfect. And we're all just in this game trying to better each other and build, lift each other up. Eliminating debt does not build wealth yet. So, you know, you eliminate that debt, but you don't magically have a million dollars. You just have less debt. And in some senses, Paying that back that debt systematically can actually help your credit, can actually help your overall credit profile. Mm-hmm. So that lump sum, paying that, it doesn't. It, it may make a difference, may make you feel better, but having a plan to reduce the debt over time while you're saving is more strategic. It makes more sense, but you have to have that mindset, right? You have to remember that money is cyclical. I can to take that action. I completely agree with you. And, and I think of that as, as a coach myself, because mm-hmm. like you said, I invest in other coaches mm-hmm. and when people see what I'm doing or they see the success with any one of my programs, a lot of the things that they say are like, well, you know, you had the money to mm-hmm. invest in this, or you had the money to build your website. And I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I did not. I just went out on faith in Jesus and a down payment and hoped that he would provide next month and the right. next month and the next month. Right. Because I knew that what I would reap from whatever mm. it was, whether it's the coaching, whether it was the the, the website making, would yeah. make a difference down yeah. the line. So yeah. I invested in myself. So I'm more of a, I guess, I'm an investment. I invest in myself all right. the time. And you're worthy investment. You have to remember that too. Yes, I love that. Worthy investment. I'm writing that down. You are I a worthy am, investment. I'm going I'm to write that down as an affirmation too. I am a worthy investment. Listen. Period. <laughs> Period, okay? <laughs> yes. Thank you. Of course. So, you are just spitting so much gems and so much knowledge right <laughs> now. And I have so many questions, but I do want to get into, I'll intertwine my questions yeah. with the questions that I have received because okay. you, some of them I'm like, oh yeah, you, you need to speak on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 interesting. <laughs> 
Okay, so let's go back. We're going to go back to um, just since this is on the topic of the mindset and you were talking about the scarcity mindset. uh, One of the questions that we received says, how do you start saving when there is nothing? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I don't believe there's nothing, right? Um, That's part of that scarcity mindset. Again, scarcity mindset isn't just when you have money. It's when you don't feel like you have it. That's part of that emotion. And I understand that, you know, I, I, there's, I have student loans, you know, I have, I have that debt. Um, There are times when I'm like, I cannot save this month, but something tells me, listen, you have that $3 left over that you don't need. Put it in, put it in your savings. If $3 is all you can save this month, that's okay. Right. That it's, I, I equate the type of coaching I do to kind of like a, a really good uh, um, health coach. A really good health coach should be a pretty equivalent to a really good wealth coach. A health coach is not going to tell you work out seven days a week, only eat one piece corner of a candy bar once a month, like the restricted, not realistic. It's a lifestyle change. Just like, a, just like in dieting in, in your wealth, it's a lifestyle change. It's gradual. It's incremental. I've been doing this for myself for almost eight years now, and I'm still growing. And I'm just now feeling like I've got to the point where I've properly made room, and now I'm ready for the overflow, right? I'm ready for that overflow because I've gained the strategies to be able to apply. So here's a practical way that you can start saving if you feel like you have nothing. Redo your budget. Start over with your budget. And I like an, a zero-sum budget or a zero-based budget is what it's called. So take your income. If you pay, get paid every two weeks, get it paid every month. I'm going to use every month to make it simple. So take your monthly income, subtract all your expenses, and the, and the math should be zero. So if you make 3000 a month, subtract all your expenses. If all your expenses are 2800 guess what? 200 means it's going to savings or going to something else because you got to get all your expenses to equal your income. So that means every dollar that you make has a job. Every dollar that you make is going to something. So if you have $3 left over, it's going to your savings account. You have $3 left over, maybe it's going to your car fund. Even within your savings account, every one of those dollars should have a a job. You have a line item for your emergency fund, a line item for your um, car fund, a line item for medical bills or co-pays, whatever you can think of that could come up in the future you're prepared and these are the beginning strategies to making room for wealth right because people think about people who like you know have that scarcity mindset i have nothing i just need more when you get more what are you going to do with it it's not you're not going to save it because then look at how you're thinking now you know you know what i mean i hope that answers your question without snatching your edges too much love you Oh, no, I just snatched and I'm listening to you like, yes, yes, pulls up Excel spreadsheet, listening. Yes, I love it. I have my Excel spreadsheet open right now. Look at my budget. I'm obsessive, so don't do what I do, but I look at it every day. And I recommend that, honestly, every day. I I, I definitely um, love to hear that. And I love your answer. And I think your answer would go the same for the next question, which was, how practical is it to save when you're living paycheck to paycheck? Yeah, um, very, very. Because if you're living paycheck to paycheck, that means that you're in a situation where um, you feel maybe restrained. You feel like every... So if you're living paycheck to paycheck, that means every dollar already has a job, right? Mm. And because... Like- right. 
It should, right? So that means that re- look at your budget again. Your budget, I call it a budget guide, right? It shouldn't guide you. You guide it. You tell where the money, you tell the money where it should go, right? It's not working you, you work it. So re- list out all your uh, expenses again and be realistic with yourself. Are you spending too much at Starbucks? Okay. They're problematic. Don't go there anyway. Are you spending too much at, um, you know, do you have, are all your credit card debts doing a lot? Are you not being strategic with how you're paying your credit card debt? I had one client, um, she was just throwing $100 a month towards her credit card just because she felt like the balance was too high, but there's no strategy behind it. First of all, what's your minimum balance? What's your um, percentage rate? How much interest are you being charged? What's the, what's the amount that makes sense to put towards it? If you're just putting an arbitrary $100, are you even paying it down? Like, what does that even look like? You have to be strategic when you do this. So look at all your expenses again and restructure that money. I have to, I, I have to stop you there. I got to okay. stop you on that credit card because yeah. I know a lot of us have credit cards and mm-hmm. a lot of us don't really know that there's an approach to yeah. paying off your credit card. Right. So for the ones who say, well, I have a credit card. Am I just supposed to be paying the minimum balance? Like what, what am I supposed to be paying exactly? What is good? Do I do a hundred dollars over the minimum balance? What do I do? Do I uh, break down how much I owe into a certain amount of months? So I pay it down. And that kind of reminds me of when you said that we are obsessive about paying off debt. So how do you, do you prioritize your credit card or do you not prioritize paying off your credit card? Let us know. That's a great question. So this question is highly specific and uh, subjective to your situation, but the advice I'm going to, I'm about to give is going to be pretty generalized. We have to apply to a specific situation. But for me, the first thing in building your budget guide is first to get your savings and your most important expenses out of the way. Right. So, excuse me, you, you want to build what you call what I call what the budget needs to call a noodle budget. So a budget of your basic, most important needs to that you would live on and you would live on it as if all the only food that you ate was ramen noodles. Mm-hmm. Right. So not literally. Right. But basic needs. Ain't no nails, sis. Do your hair at home. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Or buy the few products that you need for that month. So you have your basic base and I have an IGTV video about this where I like show an example of it. So go look at that product of wealth. So, you know, you show your basic needs and you look at that and like, that's what I need. Right. And then after, you know, bills, utilities, things that you absolutely feel like you need, then start adding your savings, then start adding the things that, okay, I need, you know, I definitely need, um, money for my therapist per month. So I'm going to add that to definitely need this, this, and this. But guess what? You're building your budget now, right? So that noodle budget that you have, take that noodle budget, the amount that you have per month, times that times three, that's the three-month emergency fund. Times that times six, that's your six-month emergency fund. Add that, and that's what your regular budget is. And then, you know, again, we're, we want it to equal zero when you subtract that amount, those expenses from your income. So, if you get to the end and you have all your expenses and you still have a little, a few dollars left over, like I was doing a budget Saturday and we had like $78 left over. And I said, okay, follow this July budget and do not spend any of that $78. Cause when we talk again, we're going to look at, you know, where you spent less, where you spent more, see if we can increase that $78 because we're taking that overflow amount and we're going to strategically apply it to your debt. So we prior, I, I tend to prioritize saving and your most immediate needs and then work in debt wherever you can adjust. So if that means that you're putting 400 towards food and you realize, oh shoot, I don't have anything left after 
um, all my expenses and I need to start working on my debt. Okay. Now you, now you, now you only spend three fifty on food because you need to pay your debt. You know what I mean? I got you. So, so the priorities are really depends on what your goals are, but I tend to prioritize savings first and then whatever's left over strategically apply it to your savings, but uh, to, to your debt. But generally with consumer debt, credit card, you definitely want to be paying more than the minimum. Right. And if you can't pay the minimum, or if you feel like I just, my, my budget is so tight right now. And you know, you feel like you want to do it yourself. You should get a coach. <laughs> but if you feel like you want to do it yourself and your budget is so tight right now, transfer the balance to a zero balance card. And I don't, don't go doing this all the time because it messes with your credit, right? Cause you're opening a new credit account. So open a new credit. There's lots of offers, go to Experian. It'll show you all those zero about 0% balance cards you do a balance transfer of 0% interest for 21 months. Now you can do your budget out. I know it sounds crazy. Do your budget out for the year and put the amount that is that you're going to pay per month on that 0%. So you're not paying interest, but you're putting money towards it and you're paying it down, right? So there's many d- different strategies that you can use and apply here. It just depends on what you want to happen. Is it important to you to reduce that debt because your percentage interest is 30% and it's crazy, right? So. Yeah, I hope that answered your question and made sense. Yes, that definitely answered my question. Something I was thinking about, you um, you were saying that you look at the spending and kind of see what money was left. Yeah. Do you recommend tracking your spending? And if you do, how rigorously should we be tracking our spending? Great question. So if you have a budget, I absolutely recommend tracking your spending because if you have a budget guide, and every job, every dollar has a job, that means every time you spend, that means that that money is coming out of one of those line items, right? So if I go to Burger King right now, that money, that money from my budget is coming out of my food line item, right? If outside wasn't closed or restricted, mm. uh, and I went to a bar with my friends, the money I spent would be coming out of my entertainment or fun line item. Right. So every that's the way to track your funding or your uh, your spending is by going using your budget to guide that money. So every dollar you have has a job. So you're spending it. So you're, you're putting your money to work. Great. But it should be coming out of a line item. So the client that I just um, we just created her July budget, I told her anytime you spend money, go back and adjust the amounts you have left. And that's what you have left for that item per month. So she has, I think, 300 for the month of July because she shares it with her boyfriend that she lives with. So like they share expenses. So anytime they, she buys anything on her account, it needs to go out of that line item. I because, got you know, so that's how, that's how rigorously you should be um, doing it in a stage where you're making room for wealth, right? Because at the, at the stage that I'm at now, seven, eight years in, and I'm a little bit obsessive about my money. I know the general amount. All I got to do is pull it up on my phone real quick and be like, okay, I know how much I have left. I know how much I can spend. And if I overspend that line item, I know which other line items are flexible to where I can take money out of. So maybe I can borrow for my um, entertainment. But guess what? Borrow doesn't mean I'm using my credit card. It means I'm working with the money that I have that I've already budgeted in my budget guide. I, I got it and I love it. So, okay. So two things, when you track your spending, are you using an app? Are you, I don't know, using Keynote? No, not Keynote. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the, the thing is for Apple that goes across all your devices, what are you using? Yeah. 
Yeah. So no matter what phone you have, I use Google devices because that's, you know, transferable across different operating systems. So with my clients, I use um, Google Drive and I create a, you know, private um, Excel sheet online that we can both share and look at and take notes on. And then I have them download that Excel sheet and use that work on their computer. Um, and it's downloadable as like, just like a, a file, you know what I mean? So it's not complicated, but I like Excel because, you know, you can just highlight everything and tells you the sum immediately. I like that quick thing. I like the formulas, but you don't need to do formulas. So Excel. Um, and then I have a cloud account that I use there. This is not sponsored, but um, any cloud account will, will do honestly, so that you can easily, ex- we all have our phones all the time. So you can easily access that Excel and look at it real quick. If you need to know quick numbers when you're out, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, so things that are simple and convenient, um, you know, so that you don't, you're not more prone to mess up because, you know, it's easily, easy to be like, well, I don't have my computer with me. So I don't remember how much that line item was, you know, cause I haven't looked at it in a long time, which is not great in and of itself, but you can pull it up real quick on your phone. I do that often. Awesome. Yeah. And would you recommend people having separate accounts for all these different line items or should they just have maybe account for saving and then account for general spending? Great question. So that's, that's part of the making room for wealth part. So starting slowly, you know, most people have a checking and a savings in the same bank. Number one thing I recommend, first thing to do, get a high yield savings account. Do not have a savings account that's giving you 0.01% interest or something, you know, silly like that, you know, the average Um, high yield savings account is, you know, kind of that low level investment account, but it's very low maintenance. It's in another bank. So it's further away. So it's a little bit more inconvenient to get that money if you feel like you need it, right? Because we often feel like we need it instead of working with what we have. Um, Because the, you know, the money in your savings account is ideally for money that you're saving for a specific thing or for your emergency fund. Um, So it should be separate, your savings account. Do not have a savings account that is not high yield. Um, That's number one. And I like interest checking. So I made a list of high yield savings and interest checking accounts. You can um, get that at marketarmy.com slash hashtag savings. But that is a simple way to get started so that you can start thinking, you know, you start stretching yourself a little bit. And that that opens your mind up to the possibilities of what you can do with your money. Um, So definitely separate separate your checking and savings. I don't really see a need to have multiple checking accounts. Um, uh, Some people recommend having a spending account versus a, um, you know, a regular account that you keep money in that you can do that too. But again, don't be realistic with yourself. Don't stretch yourself too much, right? Take steps that you feel comfortable with um, in your journey to make room for wealth. So if you feel like you need a separate account to pay bills out of, do that. Um, I wouldn't make it an interest account just because money is going to be revolving, you know? Um, But yeah, definitely separate your checking and savings, pay your bills regularly and on time and only pay your credit card bills. By the way, I forgot to mention this when the bill comes, not before the bill comes because that that's important for building your credit. So if you pay the bill before the bill comes, great, but paying the bill before the bill comes records the transaction for the credit bureau. So basically it's like you're using your credit card and you spend money that's not yours, right? And then each month the bank says, hey, you spent $300 this month. Can we have it back, please? So you pay them. So the credit bureau records that transaction and says, oh, okay, she's paying money back that she owed. She's trustworthy, point. 
right? And that increases your points. I mean, that's only 30% of your credit score. There are other factors, obviously, but that's a, that's a strategic way to pay your bills on time and to increase your credit profile. So that's, that's one thing I forgot to mention. That's awesome. <laughs> Another question we received was, um, how do you manage multiple streams of income effectively? Mm. Mm. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I, I know that I'm going to sound like a broken record. It goes back to your budget guide. Your guide will tell your money where to go. So if you've got multiple streams of income, right, you know where the money's coming from and how much it is sometime, most of the time, right? So take the money that you get and put, put it to a job, put it to your savings, put it to your debt strategically, put it to your credit card, um, gas, future medical expenses. If you are a, you know, a business owner and you're starting, put it to your taxes, okay, your future taxes, right? Because you're going to be paying taxes, especially if you work for yourself, you're not going to get a W-2 unless you have an S-corp and that's a whole other thing. But if you're an LLC or you just it's just you doing your business, make sure you put a line item for your business tax, you know? Um, oh, one thing I would say is for business owners, I actually just recorded a podcast the other day, managing while you're a business owner, separate your business money and your personal money. That's the only situation where it makes sense to have two checking accounts. Yeah to me, right, in my personal opinion. So have your other checking account that is just only your business money comes in there, only your independent sole proprietorship money comes in there, and then your personal account where if you have a day job or whatever, your consistent money, your W-2 money goes into the other one. Um, that's one case where you have two checkings. But managing multiple streams of income is, is done well by using your budget guide. I love it. Okay. So managing, use your budget. Basically the key points here, guys, is to use your budget guide. Yeah, period. <laughs> Hire a coach yeah. and use your budget. You no, know what? Please. Let me be specific. Hire Margaret and use <laughs> her budget guide. That's what I'm yes. from this conversation. Mm -hmm. That's um, right. The next question, still on the line of multiple streams of income, is what are the benefits and drawbacks of having more than one stream of income? Oh, um, okay. Um, I guess the drawback, I'll start with that, is, you know, I guess more to manage. The more money, more problems. You know, some people roll their eyes at that. There's some truth to that. You know, that, that means that it's not necessarily more problems, just more energy and more time to focus. and make sure you're, you're doing the best you can to manage that money properly and strategically um, to, to make it work for you instead of the money working you. So then maybe that's a, a, a drawback time. It'll take more time to manage that money properly because um, I look at my budget daily. Um, and I, the upside is, is uh, wealth, right? I, for me, if someone asks me what the definition of wealth is, excuse me, the definition of wealth is diversification. That's my definition of wealth. Wealth is diversification. Having, having multiple methods of bringing in money, whether it's, you know, a business or whatever. Not everybody's meant to have a business, but, you know, a property. And that means that you have your nine to five and you bought a house. Great. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of people, a lot of young people, you know, that are like, you know what, business, owning a business is not for me. I'm good with 
being a lawyer and I love what I do, great. Save your money, buy a house for yourself or a townhome or a condo and that, you know, you have property, you have something in your name, you have equity, you know what I mean? The amortization is working for you. It makes you tax credits, things like that. That's part of build, that building that wealth. So your portfolio is, is diversified. You have multiple different types of savings accounts. You have multiple different types of investment accounts, right? So it's not always just, I have multiple businesses, cash, I'm you know, making all this money. It doesn't have to be that way. It's strategy depending on what your wealth plan is, right? Um, and, and everybody, I believe, should have a wealth plan. So yeah, that's, those are the positives and negatives of multiple streams. I love it. I love it. And what are some of the basics that you think you should have on your wealth plan? Mm, the basics of a wealth plan. Well then, this is free game. I hope y'all are taking notes because all of the stuff that I've been talking about, this is client stuff right here. This is, okay, um, I'm playing, but kind of, not really. Um, <laughs> Again, hire Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what should be in the basics of your wealth plan? Um, your six-month goal, which is if you do a call with me, I'll make you fill this out. It's kind of like your preliminary wealth plan. Your six-month goal. Um, your uh, three-year goal and your 10-year goal. And sometimes it's hard to think that far out, but um, a while ago, the Bajanista had this challenge, like um, write out, and I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to get real personal here. She said, write out what it would look like for you to be wealthy or something like that. Yeah, what, is it, what does it look like for you to be financially free? What does financial freedom means to you? Okay, so I wrote, this was September 25th, 2019. I said, financial freedom for me looks like I'm 40 years old. I have multiple growing savings account with a minimum of $50 in each, a Roth IRA investment account, high yield savings accounts, certificate of deposit, money market account, um, a side hustle that brings in passive income, one or two properties at least, and the ability to travel whenever I want. I will still be using my working using my biomedical science degree to improve healthcare in the United States and the world, making over $100,000 per year. I want to enjoy what I do, not be waiting for my next paycheck, live in a warm climate, and own two fully paid off cars. Wow. So, like, we got specific. Get specific. You know, like, I don't know how many churchy folk are listening to this, but you know how preachers always like, get specific in your prayer. Be specific and tell God. My dad tells me that all the time. Tell God what you want. I'm like, okay, dad. All right. You know? But, like, be specific. So, like, write down what does financial freedom look for you, right? And then work backwards. That's why I like that six, or, like, the six-month one, because six-month can be simple. Six-month can be, I want to pay off all the interest. Like right now, you know how there's no um, interest on federal student loans. I'm creating a plan for my um, client right now where I want to pay off all the interest that's on her account. So that lowers her balance. So when interest starts back again, interest will be on a lower balance. Therefore, she'll be subject to less interest. That's just kind of strategy that, you know, one wants to apply. But you don't just get that overnight. You know, it's a lot of research that I've done to study that. So write out what financial freedom looks like for you. I wrote that when I was, um, I was 27, or maybe 26. I'm 29 now. Um, so, you know, I give myself 11 more years to get to this, and I absolutely can. All those accounts that I listed, I already started them because yeah. I, I, was, I did that when I was making room to get that mindset up. So now I know how much minimum I want to have. So that means I got to go to my budget guide. I got to apply for the jobs. 
keep building my business because that's what I want to do. But you don't necessarily have to build a business to mm-hmm. have wealth, but you have, you do have to have the mindset and the strategy. Definitely. Yeah. That, that is great. Um, there is one more question here that co- sort of made me smile because mm. I know that us, especially as black people, we have a tendency to do that. But yeah. the question is, and let me, I want to read it so I get it right. Mm-hmm. At what point do you put yourself first and say goodbye to the financial obligations of your family? Oh, now, today, right now, as you're listening to this right now, it's canceled. What are you saying? What is this? Mm. Let me step back. Let me step back and calm down. Okay. So I recognize my privileges in that I don't have financial obligations to family. If anything, um, <laughs> if anything, uh, my parents slide me a 20 for gas. You know what I mean? Like the, everyone's situation is different, but uh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one because, you know, while I'm not in a situation where I feel like I have financial obligations, there are times, and, I, and I'm going to get a little bit deep here, there are times when I feel like I have emotional obligations to mm-hmm. family, which means that, you know, I take on their stress when they're stressed about something. But who, who, who said that that's your weight to carry? We all are about weight to carry in this world. And it's heavy enough without picking somebody else's 300-pound bag up. That's a lot that has to be painful and heavy, you know? And, and you know, if you, if, and, and, then, and then you get to a point where you, you, you're carrying someone else's load so much and you're helping them reach their goals and then you don't even know what you want. Have you sat down to, to think about truly what you want out of life? Well, what financial freedom look like for you or what just freedom will look like for you, emotional freedom? It's always tied to emotion, right? Um, but what, what would that look like for you? What, what's the fear in not helping someone? What is, why? Why do you want to do that? Why do you feel like you need to do that? Why does it have to be you? Um, and how are you helping yourself? I, mean, I know I'm asking a lot of questions, but there's a lot of questions that have to come into play there. You know, there are some people that are in situations where, like, you know, they've made a commitment to help somebody that maybe has, like, a disability or things like that. And those are special circumstances. Um, but I think you're allowed to change your mind. You have permission. You have permission to change your mind whenever you want because it's your life and no one else can live it for you. So I've had, you have permission right now to change that situation and sit down and think about what you want. I love that because I know so many people um, who just are obligated to family for one reason or another. And then they realize that they've put all of their finances, all of their savings into Mm -hmm. family. And when it comes time for them to need it, they're left with Mm -hmm. nothing. So you have permission to change. I completely, I agree with that. And I love the way you put it. Now, Margaret, Hold on to that question. Sorry. I wanted to say one last thing. Don't forget what you're going to say. Sorry to interrupt. Um, There's another thing too. A lot of it is cultural. Like, you know, and I'm, I'm, I was born in Nigeria, but I've noticed a lot of parallels in Nigerian culture and African-American culture in the U S where, you know, the eldest or at least someone that's making the most money and it's a kid usually is like response. I'm not saying this is my family. I'm just saying, speaking generally, you know, they're responsible for big purchases or they're responsible for making sure that they pay their parents' house just because 
they were born and they got an education and their parents supported them through that education. So now they're making a salary and they should contribute to the mortgage of their parents' house. You don't owe your parents for being born. You didn't ask to be born. That's hard to hear for, for parents. And if my dad ever listens to this, he will be upset. But that's a realization I have to come to. I don't owe my parents for being born. I don't owe my parents. You don't owe your parents for the parental obligations that they had out of a child, right? So those are some things that you have to kind of reevaluate and, and tell yourself it's okay before you can even act on it and do the hard thing of make, setting those boundaries. Boundaries are hard, super hard. I'm still, I'm, it's a lifelong thing, but I'm, I'm fighting for myself and I'm a worthy investment. So I'm going to invest that time in myself to do that. So anyway, I just wanted to get on that soapbox of, uh, soapbox of the cultural thing. That's a, lot, that's a lot of what holds us back. Apart from systemic things in the U.S., mindset holds us back. So Yes, yes, yes. And that goes on to the next question, which yeah. I think you touched on earlier. But if you can just like summarize it into maybe three or so tips. The question says... Um, what tips do you have on shifting your money mindset mm. when you when you've you haven't made ends meet in a long time? Mm. Haven't ate made ends meet in a long time. That is very interesting. Okay, so I'm assuming that they're um, my. I don't have a lot of detail here, but my assumption is that they're living off of credit maybe, you know, they're using their credit cards a lot. And, and I know it's hard to hear, but you know, the number one thing in kind of changing that money mindset is, um, and is being committed to working with what you have. Of course you want more. We all do. And you should work towards getting more. Again, these are not mutually exclusive things. You can, you can simultaneously build your business, build wealth while working on your money mindset and while working, making room for wealth. It's all a lot, right? But my focus and my you know, expertise is in that making room for wealth aspect. But you can do all of those things simultaneously. But my, my concern for, for my people is that you'll get that money and you won't know what to do with it because you haven't done that foundational work of changing your mindset. So in changing your mindset, we haven't made ends meet. Number one thing is working with what you have. Go back to your budget guide and revisit and be realistic, but also be stern with yourself, right? So there's, it's a balance. So there's, there, it's a swinging pendulum that adjusts and changes. And by the way, I don't, I don't have my six month emergency fund saved right now. I would have, but I took some of that to invest in myself and it was worth it to me. So now I'm ready to build in my emergency fund and that's okay. That's an ebb and flow as well, right? But I trust myself that I'm a worthy investment. I trust myself that I can bring that money back and I trust the budget guide that I made. So go back to your budget guide and really reevaluate those numbers and what you're doing. And you can strategically use your credit cards to get back on your feet. But what else, what else are you passionate about? What else do you like? Can you maybe do Instacart safely in this pandemic? Um, can you tutor online to get extra cash? But not just to get extra cash so you can stop using your credit card to get extra cash so you can assign a job for that money in your budget guide so that you can start making ends meet. That's, that's those are the tips. I would like to um, highlight what you are saying, that you are using your budget guide and you're making sure that um, every dollar has a job so that you don't find yourself one day 
saying that, you know, like you said, if I just had more money, because if you are living paycheck to paycheck at $40,000 a year, and then all of a sudden you're making 70 or a hundred or even more, those same behaviors will continue and you will still be, be living paycheck to paycheck. And mm-hmm. I remember um, my first job and I went into a more senior person's office yeah. and she was just, we were talking and she was just saying, you know, I don't know why people think lawyers have money because I'm a lawyer. Okay. We're aware. I'm a lawyer. Cool. cool. So she was like, I don't know why people think lawyers have money. I'm still living paycheck to paycheck. And I was thinking to myself, mm-hmm that you are like well into a six figure salary now. So now I'm not understanding why you're living paycheck to paycheck. Cause in my mind, I'm struggling because I'm, I'm under a hundred thousand dollars. I'm struggling. But yeah. now I'm hearing you say that you are over a hundred thousand dollars and you're still struggling. So mm. what is it? Where in your mind do you need to change to be more disciplined so you don't find yourself doing the same things so that I don't find myself still feeling like, yes, I got a, I got a, what, a raise. And all of a sudden that raise just disappears. Mm. And another thing that I would love you to comment on is that, um, on the stigma where people, well, is it? Stigma is not the right word, but people, you get a raise or you get a job with a, a better salary and you think, okay, I'll have, I have extra money. And in your mind that says, I have extra money to spend, not I have extra money to save. Mm. So I just want you to comment on how we can make sure that when we get to a point where we have more income, where we have another stream, maybe that yeah. we don't think that that means we should rock, uh, turn up on the cost of living. Like we don't think that that automatically means that I've reached this point in my life. I now need a Mercedes when my car is ticking and not that old and can still drive me around. Yeah. So I'm going to start with a thought that I often have that goes towards money mindset. Whenever I look at my budget guide and I look at my line items for my investment account and for my retirement account, I look at that and I go, I can't wait to start making more money so I can put more money in those accounts. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't have that mindset I wouldn't be saying that if I was like, no, I'm not going to open an investment account or a, and a uh, retirement account. I'll wait till I make more money. No, I worked with the money that I had and I put my little $50 in there a month. It doesn't seem like a lot, but guess what? I'll get to a point where I can put 200 and then a thousand and then more, but I have to start somewhere. I wrote something down when you were talking, bad habits only transfer to a larger scale. Mm-hmm. So if you don't get rid of the bad habits now, you're just going to be making them on a larger scale. That's all. That's all it's going to be. So, you know, that idea that I'm going to, I just need more money is, can be true depending on what situation you have, but you got to get your money mindset right. Is it, I just need more money because I don't ever have any money left at the end of the month. You don't have any money left at the end of the month. What are the reasons for that? Are you, is it because you have a zero sum budget <laughs> or is it because you just are spending, 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 and you look at your checking account and you have nothing in it? Mm-hmm. Right. If you're being strategic, you'll regularly have over a thousand dollars in your checking account. And this is why, because you'd be strategically using your credit cards and getting those rewards and building your credit. And the only time that you go to your checking account is to pay your credit card bill, not to go see how much money you have left. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the, that's the switch that needs to be made. You I, know, 
I completely love it. We definitely need that shift. And before yeah. I let you go, because I will keep you here all night. Trying to- <laughs> Listen, I can talk about this all day. I'm about to go to Instagram stories and just wreck some people right quick. <laughs> okay. All right. So make sure you follow her on Instagram. Cause I'm once we're done, I'm jumping on the Instagram. Story so I can be wrecked as we go along this journey, but just yeah. because this audience is the majority of this audience are mm-hmm. women of faith. I want to stop for a second and talk about ties. Mm. Now, mm. I have been a person who for the majority of my life is the one thing that I can do consistently in finances is pay my ties. That's one thing that I can just shoot shoot off and go. Excellent. But I come from parents, sorry mom and dad, who Ooh. are they're they're tithe paying I remember I was saying this to my mom because today she said to me, did you pay your tithes? I said, oh my, how the times have changed because my mom would say, I'll pay, you know, maybe some of my tithes because I have a lot of bills this month Mm. or my dad is just like, you know, maybe, maybe not. And I'm like, how did I get this mindset? And you Mm. guys didn't get it. Mm. And one thing that I would say for myself is when I pay my tithes, I feel like my money lasts longer. When mm. I don't pay my tithes, it's just, I feel like everything just goes out the door. Interesting. Um, what, when it comes to people who pay their tithes or looking to pay their tithes on their, I guess their, their budget, you were saying the essential things, right? Mm. Where should they put their tithes? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I have a different perspective on this. My perspective on, I used to, well, I still tithe in a sense, right? So when I started first tithing, it was my mom that got me into this. And both my parents tithe in their own way, right? Um, You know, my dad's perspective is 10% is not this like strict thing. You know what I mean? It's it's a guide. You can do whatever percent you want. That was my dad's thinking. Mom's thinking is no hardcore 10% all the time, okay? Um, And they're both at different tax brackets, okay? So, you know, coming to myself, graduating from college and first, you know, first time making a salary out of college, um, I did my 10% too. All good. And then I started realizing that, um, you know, as my mindset shifted and I started looking at money in different ways and I started volunteering more, well, not more, I've always volunteered, um, you know, in the church and spending my time. And I'm like, there are other ways to give, in my opinion, there are other ways to give apart from your funds. And I believe that tithing and giving is out of an abundance. So if you're in a place where you feel like you can barely make ends meet and you're living paycheck to paycheck, I don't believe that 10%, you should be taking 10% out of your paycheck. You can, you can barely make ends meet, right? Be a good steward of the money that you have now so that God will bless you with more. And I don't believe it's good stewardship to give a, this large chunk of your money um, without first thinking about it. You can give 5%, whatever, whatever makes sense for you. When I, when I got to graduate school after my first job, I went to graduate school, um, 10% was just not feasible for me. If I gave 10% of my money, my stipend from graduate school, I wouldn't be able to pay my rent. Mm-hmm. That was just how my budget guide worked out. So I was like, oh gosh. So you know what I started doing? I just, I did a, a chunk of an amount. I just did a dollar amount that I could afford. And then I started volunteering more in the church. I started volunteering at this um, Christian coffee shop. 
every week, twice a week, whenever they needed me, I would, I would be there. Um, so it's, it's a balance of opinions, obviously, because people are going to hear this and be like, nope, I, my mom wholeheartedly disagrees with me, right? I don't have a church. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. I don't have a church I go to regularly yet. I just haven't, I haven't made the time to find a church. And my mom, my parents have a church that I've visited a couple of times and I don't, I'm not tithing right now because of that, but I do have a giving line item, right? So black lives matter. That's to that, to me, that counts, right? Cause that's a core thing that I believe in. And, and, and it's not the necessarily the BLM, but I'm like, you know, the, the bail funds or whatever, wherever I want, NAACP is where I actually donated to. So wherever I feel like makes sense for me is where, what I do. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it, may, it may be a controversial opinion, but that's my opinion. My opinion is you give out of an abundance. And if, you, and if you're in a stage where you're still making room for wealth and, and adjusting your mindset, you're not quite in the abundance stage. Um, and there are other ways to give. You can give your time and um, you can still give your money in an in, in aspect that makes sense for you. But that's my opinion on it. Okay, I know that question is going to be a hot question with uh-huh. <laughs> uh, all the listeners and their various different views. I know when you were talking, you said that if you gave 10% of your stipend, and then my mind immediately went to, but a stipend isn't really a salary. So that's where my mind went. Um, and I was in school as well. Yeah, exactly. So when I was in school and I had scholarships, mm-hmm. I was like, this was just the gift of the thing. It's not really my money that I've well, I earned the scholarship, but you, sure. you know what I mean. Sure. Not like going out to nine to five. But so I know people are going to have various um, understandings, opinions. But what I would say, mm-hmm. number one, pray about it. Definitely. Right. And seek God on whatever way you feel like you are being led to give, whether it is to your church, whether it is your time. And you did make a good point because if you are somebody who is starting living paycheck to paycheck, a good mm-hmm. thing to trade your ties for is your time volunteering, helping out, making a difference. That is something you can do that is not going to cost you anything, but you can still give back. Mm -hmm. And just Mm -hmm. because, you know, we mentioned tithes and we think 10%, there are more than, the Lord wants more than 10% of your finances. He wants more than 10% of your your, your time. So Mm -hmm. you need to find different ways where you can give back and just be a good steward over what all that God has given you. And by the way, the Pharisees gave a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Pharisees had a lot of material and money to give, right? But not their heart, right? Yep. So I'm just going to put that, I'm just going to say that sentence and leave it to whatever you want to give. Just going to drop the mic and walk away. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So on that note, Margaret, thank you so much for being here with us. This has been absolutely phenomenal. And I know it's going to make such a difference in everyone who is listening, especially during this time of this pandemic. A lot of women are either shifting, coming to the understanding that, you know what, I do need to be better with my finances. I do need another stream of income. Maybe they're thinking to themselves, 
Um, I, I never thought I'd be in this position where I am now. How can I make a shift so that I can do more than just survive so that I can thrive? So Margaret, before we go, I want you to tell us how we can find you on all your social media platforms and most importantly, how they can hire you as a coach so that they can shift their negative money mindsets, shift their thinking and start creating the room for wealth. Start putting those proper procedures in place so that they are being good stewards. So let us know all of your information. Absolutely. Thanks for that opportunity to do that. Okay. So I'm product of wealth everywhere. P-R-O-D-U-C-T-O-F-W-E-A-L-T-H. Product of wealth on Instagram, Twitter, um, facebook.com slash product of wealth. Um, I have a podcast where I talk to black business owners about black health and wealth. Um, and often, sometimes it's me too. Um, so we're on episode four, season one right now in the latest episode, edge snatching. I'm telling you, telling you, um, for that person that was asking about supporting their, um, family, this, that episode four is for you because it really talks, gives you permission to live the life you want. So go listen to that. It's called Get Your Life, um, Margaret Remy, um, on anywhere you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. So go subscribe to that to get more tips. Um, I post a lot of tips on um, social media too. Um, and one thing, one forewarning before you come on social media, I'm not nice, but I'm kind. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love that. I'm not nice, but I'm kind. And why I love that is because the way I feel like we are created to deliver the message that is attached to us is so different. So the way you may deliver the message is for those people who need it in that way. The way I deliver the message, it is like cutthroat. And I remember that that's brought to my mind, somebody saying to me that my words were right, but my delivery was off. And I was just like, Mm. I Mm. cannot please any, I can't please everybody, but the, um, the 80,000 people that have listened to me back and forth, I, they seem to connect with the way I speak. So I'm sorry. It wasn't appealing to but they yeah. needed it. And I know for me, I need you to snatch my edges because I'm busy snatching everybody else's edges <laughs> and mine are over here looking nice and laid. And sometimes right. I need to get myself together. So I right. appreciate that. Yeah. And I appreciate the way you deliver. And I appreciate you spending this time just enlightening yeah. us. I am so yeah. excited. I want everybody to go follow, to go listen to um, her podcast, to basically go stalk her and get what you need, connect with her because she has given us so many gems. And actually what I also need you to do is listen to this episode like three or four times until you get it done. Because I know I usually listen to an episode twice myself and that's Mm. my own episode. Mm -hmm. I'm already taking notes and like, okay, I I saw you. (laughs) I mean, there's one paper, paper, like I am just, Get those gems, act on it. That's it. I forgot to mention one thing, um, and this is part of my kindness. I'm kidding. Um, I um, my website, margaretremy.com, M-A-R-G-A-R-E-T-R-E-M-I.com. No need for capitalization or um, no spaces. Um, but on margaretremy.com, right when you visit the page, the top of it is a money challenge, a better money challenge. How it tells you to look at your financial profile and determine that financial focus, that wealth plan. Start beginning to determine that. So that's a free challenge. You get um, you get um, 
weekly videos for three weeks and I teach you and I give you a research e resource each time with each video. So go sign up for that. And also if you're like, okay, I'm not ready for a full challenge. I'm not ready to really put in the work necessary yet. I just want to kind of start small. I also have a list of um, interest checking and high yield savings account that you can just go open. No minimum requirement, maybe $1 for um, one account and um, no fees. That's margaretremy.com slash hashtag savings. So those are, those are some free resources you can get there as well. Now, when you say hashtag savings, do you mean the actual hashtag symbol or the words hashtag? Um, the actual hashtag symbol. Thank you for the clarification question. Yes, the actual hashtag symbol, like a number. Like back in the day before hashtags were a thing, it was number. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> some of us older, older millennials um, know about that one. <laughs> Listen. Thank you so much, Margaret. Again, this has been absolutely phenomenal and I can't wait to see, you know what? I'm actually looking forward to having you back on the show. I, I feel like there are so many questions to talk about and my audience just needs this area. And since we focus on, um, all the areas that we need to slay in our purpose. Mm -hmm. This is definitely a large one. So I right. know they need the help. So okay. thank you so much. And uh, we appreciate it. And we'll be connecting with you soon. Of course. All right. Bye.